Let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer this morning. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. Father, what a great privilege it is to be here in church this Sunday morning. Time change Sunday. Father, I want to thank you for the ability to be able to get out of bed this morning. Ability to be able to be here in this place and maybe an hour less of sleep. But Father, we're just so grateful for this opportunity. I pray it would be a useful um, use of our time. Father, that your will be accomplished here in this place today. Father, we're so grateful for the opportunity that you've given us. I pray that we would use it well. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Part of my responsibility as a parent is to find things that my children struggle with and try to help them overcome them. Okay? So I've already began to do this. One of the things among many, 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 that my children struggle with is characterized by two words. I can't. My children say I can't all the time. Trying to learn to tie their shoes, they kept saying I can't. Um, Hanging up their coats, I can't. Taking the garbage out, I can't. Loading the dishwasher, I can't. Hey, Caleb, shoot the basketball this way. I can't. Grab the next branch on your way up the tree and pull yourself up. I can't. Pedal the bike. I can't. Constantly saying, I can't. I can't. I can't. I can't. And as I heard this over and over and over again, I began to see a pattern develop. My children, for whatever reason, maybe your children are like this as well, But my children don't want to do hard things. They don't want to try new things. They just want to rest in, I can't. And I began to realize this was a major problem. So, in the yeoman's home, our children are not allowed to use the phrase, I can't. Zoe just did this the other day. She said, Dad, I can't. I said, excuse me? What's the rule? We can't say I can't. (laughs) I want my kids to not give up on something just because it's hard. I want my kids not to just give up because it's new. And they're just not sure how to do it yet. I have one child who shall remain nameless that is a smart aleck. And so this is their new saying. It's impossible. Literally the other day, hang your coat up. I, 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 and he starts saying, I can't. And he goes, Dad, it's impossible. <laughs> Literally three seconds later, he goes, I got it. Just gave it away in case some of you were paying attention. I tried. I think a lot of times when we're thinking about fulfilling God's purpose in our life, we think the exact same No adult would ever say, I can't, right? But over and over and over and over again, we have adults saying, I can't. Or if we are really, really a smart aleck, we'd say, that's impossible. I I, I can't fulfill God's purpose for our life. It's, It's impossible for me to do that. We would say things like this. I don't have any education. I, n- I never went to Bible college. I don't have any education. Or 
we'd say things like this, I don't have the right qualifications. Or I don't have any experience. Or I don't know how to. Or I'm not sure I can. Or the list could go on and on and on and on. And we all have excuses for reasons why we can't fulfill God's purpose for our lives. While all of those things that you excuse yourself to or for, while all of those things may be true, these things should never excuse us from fulfilling what God wants to do through us. You see, the reality is you may not have an education. That's still not an excuse. The reality is you may not have any experience that's still not an excuse to fulfill God's purpose for your life. You may not know how to. You may not be trained to. You may not, you may not, you may not. Those things may be true, but can I encourage you today? That should never excuse us from negating the fact that God wants to do something in our lives. I want to read for you the story that we read last week in Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Now, Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms, and Peter Fastening his eyes upon him with John said, look on us. He gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Then Peter said, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And I love this story. I love this story, and it's so good, I want to preach on it twice. I preached on it last week, I'm going to preach on it again this week, because it's such a powerful story. Peter and John go into the temple, they're going to just pray. They had just seen 3,000 people come to know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. 3,000 people added to the church in one day. What an amazing, amazing thing. They're going into the temple, and there's this beggar. This beggar who's sat there day after day after day after day after day after day just begging, looking for somebody to give him some food, some money, something. Peter and John fasten their eyes on him, and instead of giving them money, they give him something far more spectacular. They heal him. Now, while many of us would look at Peter and John and think, I could never do that. And you know what? We just might be right about that. I could never do that. I want to take a look at the third character in this story. That one single individual whom Peter and John did not overlook. I want to focus our attention on the lame man this morning. This lame man must have been absolutely nothing to look at. Right? We, the Bible calls the gate beautiful, not the man beautiful. Again, if you're thinking about a beggar, especially in today's society, they are not the most wonderful people to look at. Okay? 
I can't imagine that in the first century in Jerusalem that this man was something to behold. He had been lame since his mother's womb approximately 40 years, we find out in chapter 4. He was a lame beggar. He wasn't the type of person that you're wanting to spend all kinds of time with. He had spent his time in the streets of Jerusalem. He did have a few people that cared enough about him to carry him from one place to another. But that's it. He had no one to look after him. He was not what you would exactly call an educated man. He would not be somebody you would exactly call that had a great deal of biblical experience. He was the lower class. I'm sure his clothes would have been ratty. I'm sure he probably would have smelled a little lot, right? Showers weren't exactly a main thing, but it is this man that I want to focus my attention on today. You say, Pastor Jones, why would you focus on this man today? Because it's this man that would change the eternal destiny of thousands of people. It was this man who would change the eternal destiny for thousands of people. Let's continue our story in verse 8. I want you to notice what he does. And he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they knew that it was he which sat for alms at the beautiful gate of the temple, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at that which had happened unto him. And as the lame man which was healed held Peter and John, all the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. So just to lay the story out just a little bit, obviously he is healed. His feet and his ankle bones receive strength. A person who has never walked before begins walking and leaping. You know babies, right? They take a long time to learn how to walk. Not this guy. When God does a miracle, God does it thoroughly. He does it completely. This man could walk. He was jumping. He was leaping. And he was giving the praise and glory to God. And obviously... This draws a crowd. People begin to look around and see, whoa, this is the guy that was just sitting out. We all passed him. We all went by him. We all saw him. And this is the same guy that day after day after day is sitting at the beautiful gate. This is him. And so he begins praising the Lord and he's walking. And I picture Peter and John with him. And he's jumping all around and kind of throwing Peter and John around a little bit. And this is awesome, God, and praising the Lord. And obviously now people start to come. They're all seeing what's going on and they begin to come. And the Bible says there in verse 12 that they come together in the porch that is called Solomon. Solomon's porch. Notice the next two words, though. Greatly wondering. Whoa, hey, what happened? What's going on? What's all this about? Why, why is this guy freaking out? Like, this is a time of prayer. Right? No, nobody's supposed to be excited when they come to prayer, right? It's supposed to be mellow and just chill in the seriousness of prayer. No, not this guy. He's hooting and hollering, praising God, leaping up and down. We see in verse 12, and when Peter saw it, 
He answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Or why look ye so earnestly on us? As though by our own power or holiness we had made this man to walk. And then from then all the way to the end of the chapter, Peter again preaches a message of Jesus Christ. But I want you to notice Acts chapter 4 and verse 1. And as they, being Peter and John, spake unto the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Hey guys, you're not supposed to be doing this here. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold unto the next day, for it was now even tied. Watch this, verse 4. Don't miss this. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 5,000 men come to know Jesus Christ by the testimony of this one single, dirty, ratty individual. 5,000 people come to know Jesus Christ. This one single, not talented, not experienced, not educated individual points 5,000 people to Jesus Christ. I want you to notice verse 9 again with me. Acts chapter 3 and verse 9. Notice, and all the people. Notice again, Acts chapter 3 and verse 9. And all the people saw him, what? Walking and praising God. All of them. Literally, all this man did was what he knew to do. All he did was what he knew to do. That was praise God and now walk. Praise God and walk. He let everyone know that he was a changed man. Not because of Peter and John. Not because of anything that anybody else had done. But he was praising the name of the Lord. He was shouting. Now listen. You might think that you don't have that much to offer. You might think that you're not educated. You might think that you're an introvert. You might think that you're lame. You might think that you, I mean, you fill in the blank of what you think you are. But I want to encourage you this morning. I don't want you to stay down. I don't want you to think negatively. I want you to think positively this morning. So if you're in the habit of writing things down, write this down. God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. Let me say it again. God uses the weak things of this world to confound the wise. God takes something small and insignificant and makes it into something extraordinary. This is our God. God loves to take the little things and turn them into great things. God took the dust of the earth and formed man. God took one man and gave him seed and made a people as many as the sands of the seashore. God used a small teenage boy to defeat a nine foot or more giant and eventually the entire army. God took five loaves and two small fishes and fed over 
thousand people. God says that faith, like a grain of mustard seed, can move mountains. And you, yes, you, even you, who sit here today, you can see the power of God do things in your life. But you say, ah, I'm not educated, I, I don't have any experience, or I'm too old, or you fill in the blank. Listen, God can use the little things in your life to produce great things. Peter and John point everything back to the power of God. Yes, even ignorant and foolish fishermen who have no formal training, God can use them. God did use them, and they turned everything back to God. They did not have the power to heal this man. They did not have the power to preach in all kinds of different languages, which they did just a few days previous. They did not have the power to preach and teach this message. They did not have the power. It was all God's power. It was the glory that was given to God. It was by His grace that this man stood before them whole. It was by God's power that these unlearned and ignorant fishermen. It was by God's power on a lame beggar that now at least 8,001 people come to Jesus Christ. You see, just in a few short days, at least 8,001 people are now saved. And they know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. And you know what? It went from Peter and John, who we all hold in high esteem, but really, we find out in Acts chapter 4, they were just unlearned and ignorant men. And a lowly beggar. You see what I'm trying to say this morning? It doesn't matter who you are, it doesn't matter what your background is, it doesn't matter what experience you have. Listen, God can use you. God can make Excuse me, take something small and make it great. You see, let's talk about you for a little bit. What excuses have you been making? Well, we only live in small town St. Thomas. If we lived somewhere else like London or Toronto, then, then we could do something great. Well, we don't have a lot of people if we had more people, then maybe we could do something great. I'm just a Sunday school teacher of little kids. If I was, if I could teach the teenagers and have an ability to shape them and teach them, then I'd be able to do something great. Well, I'm just a youth worker. I just work with teenagers. If I could just work with adults, more mature, then we'd be able to do something. Well, I'm just a little old lady. If I was younger, then maybe I could do something. Well, I'm just a young parent. If I had more time and energy, then I could do something. Well, I'm a middle-aged adult trying to take care of my children, my grandchildren, and my parents. If I had more time, I could do something. Well, I'm just a single adult. If I could just get married and start a family, then we collectively, we could do something 
together. Well, I don't have any formal training. Well, I don't have that good of health. Well, I don't know where to begin. Well, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And Pastor Yeomans, because I'm not allowed to say I can't, it's impossible. Impossible. We get in our minds about this and we think about it and we spend time thinking about it and we think, oh, I just can't. I can't. I can't. Again, I want to encourage you. Just start with what you have. Just start with what you have. I want to put it this way. Give what you have to God. You might not have a lot. That's okay. Just give what you have to God. A little boy brought five loaves and two fishes. Like, but what is that among so many? Just give it. Just give it. A lame beggar man had nothing. He was begging for alms. He didn't have an education. He didn't know anything. But he just got up and he started praising God with what he had. Maybe you are extremely educated. Listen, just give that to God. Don't, don't go, oh, look at me. I'm so extremely educated. Look at how wonderful I am. No, give it to God. Maybe you don't have a lot of time. Give what you have to God. Maybe you don't have a lot of money. Give what you have to God. Listen, I don't know what you have, but give what you have to God. Little Whatever it is, big, whatever it is, small, large, tiny, giant, it doesn't matter. Listen, God wants you just to give it to him. And when you do, he will take it and use it like you could never imagine. Start with just a little. And let him make much of it. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58, one of the most encouraging verses in the Bible to me. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable. Watch this. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need bus workers. Pastor Holland said that earlier. Probably not the most, quote, rewarding experience in your life. But can we read that verse again? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Why? For as much as you know, your labor's not in vain in the Lord. We need Sunday school teachers. We need nursery workers. We need people who will go outside of this building and will talk to somebody about Jesus Christ. We need people who will just fulfill the purpose that God has for their life. And can I encourage you, it doesn't matter what that is. God knows, and if you will just give it to the Lord, it will not go in vain. Just continue. By the way, notice there's no conditions attached to this. When you have enough money, when you have enough education, when you feel like you can accomplish that which you should accomplish, when you feel a certain feeling, no, it just says always abounding. Just keep going. Just keep working. Just keep doing. Just keep giving your life to him. 
a fairly well-documented story. The year was 1858. Anybody alive then? 1858, the city was Boston, Massachusetts. A man by the name of Edward Kimball was just a young Sunday school teacher. He wasn't famous. He wasn't a millionaire. But he tried to make it a habit to personally give each of his students in his class an opportunity for them to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. He was concerned on this day about one particular student who worked in a shoe store. One day, this young Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball, visited the young man at the shoe store and found him in the back stocking shelves. That day, Edward Kimball was able to lead Dwight L. Moody to the Lord. Some of you may not even know who Dwight L. Moody is. D.L. Moody eventually left the shoe business and became one of the greatest evangelists of all time, leading hundreds, if not thousands, of people to Jesus Christ. But the story doesn't end there. Moody became an international speaker and had the opportunity to tour the British Isles. He preached in a little chapel there, pastored by a young man named Frederick Brotherton Meyer. In his sermon, Moody told the story of his Sunday school teacher, Edward Kimball. That message changed Pastor Meyer's ministry, inspiring him to become an evangelist like Moody. F.B. Meyer became an incredible Bible preacher, leading thousands of people to Jesus Christ. Somebody else that D.L. Moody was able to lead to Jesus was a man by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman. F.B. Meyer eventually came to preach in America by the invitation of D.L. Moody. And in Northfield, Massachusetts, a young preacher by the name of J. Wilbur Chapman heard F.B. Meyer say, if you are not willing to give up everything for Christ, are you willing to be made willing? <laughs> that remark led J. Wilbur Chapman to respond to God's call on his life. J. Wilbur Chapman is regarded as pointing tens of thousands of people to Christ. But the story doesn't end there. J. Wilbur Chapman went on to become an effective evangelist. He enlisted the help of a volunteer named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was there to help J. Wilbur Chapman set up for his crusades. Billy Sunday learned how to preach by watching Chapman. When J. Wilbur Chapman left evangelism to become a pastor of a church, Billy Sunday took over Chapman's ministry, becoming a dynamic evangelist. Billy Sunday's preaching brought thousands of people to Christ. But the story doesn't end there. Inspired by a Billy Sunday crusade in Charlotte, North Carolina, a group of Christian men dedicated themselves to reaching their city for Christ. Approximately 10 years later, they invited an evangelist by the name of Mordecai Ham to come and hold a series of evangelistic meetings. The year was 1932. A local farmer loaded up his pickup with neighbors and brought them to that meeting. 
One of those neighbors was a 16-year-old boy who sat in the crowd each night, spellbound by the message. Night after night, the teenager came, and finally, on the last night, he went forward and gave his life to Christ. That teenager's name was Billy Graham. Most of you have already finished the story. Billy Graham is credited for communicating the gospel to more people than most of us could ever comprehend. In fact, you probably know someone who was led to Jesus Christ through a Billy Graham crusade. Can I encourage you? It all started with a Sunday school teacher. It all started with a Sunday school teacher. It all started with one seemingly insignificant, not really an educated. He was young. He probably didn't have a ton of experience, but it just started with one. Listen, you don't have to be Billy Graham. You don't have to be Billy Sunday or J. Wilbur Chapman or D.L. Moody. You don't have to be any of those people. You just have to be you. You just have to be you. And give your life to Christ. Can you be an Edward Kimball? Can you be just somebody who says, I just want to fulfill my purpose in life? Just gave his life to the Lord and allowed God to lead him to that shoe store that day. And lead that young stock boy to Jesus Christ. Listen, you may not ever be a Peter or a Paul. But can you be just a lowly, lame beggar? Crippled there, who just couldn't get over the amazing work that God had done in his life. And he couldn't help but tell everyone about it. Can you be a successful businessman or businesswoman who is so grateful to God for all that he has done that you can't help but share his love to the people around you? Can you be a stay-at-home mom and invest your life into your children and your children's friends for the sake of Jesus Christ? Can you be a hardworking man and give your life to helping other people know Jesus Christ? You fill in the blank, can you? The answer is yes, you can. You can. Through the power of God, you can fulfill your purpose for your life. We all have a purpose. Every single one of us has a purpose. It may not be big. It may not be flamboyant, but I want you to write one last thing down. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown, and you can win it. If you'll go, in Jesus' name, the second verse says this, does the place you're called to labor seem so small and little known? It is great if God is in it and he'll not forsake his own. Little is much when God is in it. Labor not for wealth or fame. There's a crown and you can win it if you'll go in Jesus' name. Every single one of us as individuals are capable of fulfilling God.
God's purpose for our lives. Listen, we are made for so much more. We are made for so much more. Give what little you have. Give what little you have to Jesus and let him multiply it in a way that you could never ask or think. Look with me in Acts chapter 4 and verse 4. Some bad things are about to happen, but how be it? Many of them which heard the word believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. You will never know what God will do with your life until you just give it to Him. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much for all you've done for us. Father, as we sit here today, we have so much to be grateful for. But Father, I pray that through the life of this meager, somebody that society would look down upon, Father's greatly, greatly used of you. Father, would you open our eyes to see people in their need. Help us to be faithful individuals. Father, quite frankly, we may never know the result in eternity. Because of one person that sits in this place today that says, no matter what, I will fulfill my purpose. Because of one individual that says, listen, it doesn't matter what culture thinks, it doesn't matter what our church thinks, I'm going to do what God has called me to do. doesn't matter I'm going to see those individuals I'm going to see that little stock boy I'm going to invite my neighbor my 16 year old neighbor to a meeting I'm going to I'm going to invite I'm going to tell I'm going to pray I'm going to seek I'm going to do all that I can do in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ I'm going to give it all to him what little I have give I thee Father, I pray every single person in this room, everyone listening online, again, status doesn't matter. Nothing matters other than we just give what we have to you. I pray that today we would give it. Father, if there's one here today that does not know you as personal Savior, one here today that doesn't even know who you are, Father, I pray that today would be the day that they say, listen, I've got to give it all to Jesus he gave his life for me. I want to give my life to him. Father, I pray your will be done here in this place. We'll pray. Praise your name for it.